We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, September the 9th, 2021. Today's show, I break down this weekend's game as the Gamecocks hit the road for the first time in this 2021 football season as they take on the Pirates of East Carolina in a pivotal early season matchup. Guys, we'll break this thing down in its entirety. First things first, we'll talk about the Pirates. Also, top storylines, key matchups to watch, keys to the game is, again, the Gamecocks look to move to 2-0 and early in this 2021 football season. Guys, we also have your listener questions and a fantastic conversation, a great interview. Caitlin Dambaugh joins me, former Gamecocks women's golfer and a damn good one at that, multiple-time All-SEC. She joins me to talk about her career, why she chose South Carolina, playing for the Gamecocks, and the massive success that women's golf has seen over the past couple of years. Guys, we got a great show here a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Or of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
feel that, folks. The intensity in the air as we creep closer and closer to kickoff this weekend in Greenville, North Carolina, as Shane Beamer takes his boys on the road for the first time as Gamecocks head coach in a game that some are labeling as a measuring stick type of game for this football team. But however you label it, a game that will undoubtedly go a long way in shaping this 2021 football season. Folks, happy Thursday. Hope you are all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. We have got a packed show here on a Thursday. We're talking the game on Saturday as South going to take on ECU. Guys, thank you all so much again for tuning in, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, you've got the day off, maybe you're in class, whatever it is. Again, thank you all so much for making me a part of your day. And guys, again, we've got a lot to get into. But before we do, on that note, I want to take a moment to say thank you and celebrate a massive victory and a massive success with you all. Because as many of you know at this point, I believe in celebrating the victories, both big and small. You know, life is hard, right? And when you have victories, no matter the size, you should celebrate those. You should celebrate your victories, both big and small. Well, folks, as I was getting the podcast ready for Wednesday on Tuesday night, as I was putting things together, you know, I'm not someone that looks at analytics as much as you would expect someone like me to do so. Early on, certainly, we look at them a lot. I think it's something that really pushes you and gives you motivation and keeps you going. But, you know, you get to this point and you still pay attention to it. But I'm just right now so busy making content and putting value and positive energy out in the universe. It's like, you know what? I know that the analytics and the numbers are there. And I also know they're going to take care of themselves as long as we keep doing great work. But I stumbled across the analytics. And as of Tuesday night, officially Tuesday night, guys, we surpassed an incredible number in regards to the podcast. We surpassed 500,000 all-time downloads for the Spurs Up show. I want to say thank you all so, so much. I mean, it really goes beyond words. It it is almost a bit overwhelming. You know, 500,000, you know, when I first started this thing all the way back in April of 2017 is when we officially launched the podcast itself. You know, I've never been one to put a cap on what the possibilities are within the Spurs Up show and everything we're capable of doing here. But if you would have told me in the beginning that there would be a point where we would surpass 500,000 downloads, half a million. I I don't know what my reaction quite would have been. So again, to everyone who's ever taken even a moment, five seconds, it doesn't matter. If you've ever tuned into a show ever, I want to say thank you all so much. This is much of your victory as it is TSUS's victory, as it is my victory, whatever. This is for all of us to celebrate. So again, thank you all so much. 500,000 downloads, an incredible number, and I truly appreciate each and every single one of you tuning in day after day after day, week after week after week, and I just couldn't feel more blessed and more fortunate to hit such a milestone. Cheers to the next 500,000. Cheers to getting to a million. That's our next stop, but again, seriously, guys, 
I can't say it enough. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support and rocking and rolling with everything we do, rocking with the content. I mean, it, it's truly just a blessing. I mean, it's just truly a blessing, and I cannot thank you guys enough. Um, so, again, 500,000 downloads. We have surpassed the 500,000 download mark. Truly remarkable. Truly incredible. And like I said, guys, can't wait for the next 500,000. Can't wait to hit a million for sure. Um, also, quick reminder, guys, like I said, watch party this Saturday, downtown Greenville, South Carolina at Carolina Alehouse in downtown Greenville, folks. Also, if you show up, let your server or bartender know you're there for the Spurs Up show. You're there for the watch party. 10% off your entire order. Appreciate those fine folks at Carolina Alehouse for giving back to our followers, our listeners, people who rock and roll with what we do. You guys deserve it. So, again, you show up. 10% off, but doors open at 11, kick off at noon. Yours truly will be there just before 11. So, again, get in there early. Let's get the drinks flowing. Let's get the food rocking and rolling. Watch party Saturday for the Upstate Gamecocks in downtown Greenville at Carolina Alehouse. And like I said, guys, 10% off food, drink, everything. Just let them know you're there with the Spurs Up show, and they will take care of you. So on that note, folks, let's dive into it. South Carolina ECU this Saturday, a huge early season matchup, a noon kickoff on ESPN2 at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville, North Carolina. When you look at the spread at this one, of course, guys, this thing has been all over the place and certainly is one of the biggest storylines in this football game. We talked a lot yesterday, of course, with the best bet and the gambling picks and everything else. But the gambling side of this, I mean, there's just a bigger storyline in the gambling side of this as there is things going on, you know, going on on the field and off the field as well. South Carolina right now sits as a two-point favorite from the books that I've seen. It could be three right now. It could be two and a half. Who knows? This thing continues to swing, and I'd expect it to change as we get closer to kickoff. But right now, from what I'm seeing, South Carolina sits as a two-point favorite over under set at 58 in this ballgame. Like we told you guys yesterday, best bet under that 58 but, man, I mean, a line that saw South kind of open as a two-point favorite, swung all the way to ECU as a four-point favorite, then came down to ECU as a one- or two-point favorite. Now South kind of sits as a two-point favorite. And, again, I would expect this line to continue to move. You look at the series history, a really, really interesting series between South Carolina and East Carolina. Gamecocks lead the series 14-5 and overall. Also, South Carolina on a four-game win streak. This will also be the first time South Carolina has played in Greenville since 1997. So it's been quite a while since the Gamecocks made the road trip up to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. But, guys, even more importantly, you take a look at this series, there have been some really, really, really competitive close games, especially as of late. You know, who can forget 2016, the Brandon McElwain Gamecocks won 20 to 15, but in a game certainly that I think ECU fans felt like they should have had that ball game. No question. You look back to 2014, 33 to 23 at Williams Bryce Stadium. Very close competitive game there. Of course, 2012, you took care of your business 48 to 10. Um, but even 2011, who can forget at Bank of America Stadium where you had the rough start and Connor Shaw got the start in that football game and the Gamecocks were able to storm back behind Steven Garcia 56 to 37 in that one. But it's been a very close competitive series, always a hard fought game, always a close game. So will we see that trend continue in Greenville this Saturday? And of course, guys, like I mentioned, the last meeting, the last matchup, 2016, South kind of won that football game 20 to 15. But if you recall, I mean, I think the Gamecocks were outgained like 530 to 260 
and somehow still won that game. ECU got down in the red zone, I think, four or five times. Jamarcus King had a few picks, and, and the Gamecocks somehow escaped that one for a huge early season, early tenure win, I would say, for Will Muschamp and his football team. So it's been a very interesting series between South Carolina and East Carolina. When you take a look at the Pirates um, of the American Athletic Conference, their head coach, Mike Houston, in his third season. And yes, folks, if that name sounds familiar, it unfortunately is because Mike Houston was the head coach at the Citadel when the Citadel came to Williams-Brice in 2015 and unfortunately beat the Gamecocks. Yes, I know, fans, that one still stings. It still stings for yours truly, but Mike Houston, he knows a thing or two about playing against South Carolina, so you know he'll be excited. He'll be amped for this football game as well. But again, Mike Houston in his third season, a pivotal season for Houston as ECU has a very, very proud fan base, and you know this is one they all have circled in their schedule as a game that, hey, maybe you can hang your hat on this one if you are Mike Houston and that coaching staff. Of course, ECU guys, 0-1 0-1 overall, losing their first game of the season to Appalachian State, 33-19 in a game that, you know, you could argue wasn't that close. I know a lot of people left that game, you know, texting me saying, Chris, I feel a lot better about that ECU game now. Man, I tell you, ECU looks like crap. They got bullied on the line of scrimmage. And that really was the case in that first game. And Appalachian State racking up 226 yards rushing, 6.3 yards per carry. Chase Bryce, which is a Clemson transfer, but the quarterback for Appalachian State went 20-27 for 259 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He was only sacked one time. And Appalachian State's defense, on the contrary, was able to get after Holt Naylor's four times. They sacked him four times in that football game. So, ECU, not the most stellar way to start the season for them, and they'll be looking to rebound and even their overall record early in the 2021 football season. Guys, let's move into our top storylines for this big matchup this weekend, and you got to start with the quarterback position. And I know that's something we've been talking about all week long, and I feel like we're beating it like a drum, but who gets the nod under center? And more importantly, I guess you could say, Who should get the nod under center? Guys, as much conversation as we have had, and Marcus Satterfield updating the status of Luke Doty yesterday in his media availability, saying that Luke Doty is working to get back, and he's getting closer and closer, and he's doing things, and he's practicing, whatever. Shane Beamer making it very clear they're not going to reveal a starter until game day, which I think is very, very smart. If you don't have to show your hand, why would you do so? Make East Carolina guess. Will it be Noland? Will it be Doty? They have no idea. Make them guess who you're going to have under center. But I'll tell you this, and I think it's as simple as this. And first things first, actually, I will say this. Trust Shane Beamer. Trust his decision-making. If you're out there, we all have opinions on who we think is the best quarterback on this football team, who is the best quarterback on this roster. There actually hasn't been as much banter and back and forth as I expected. But trust Shane Beamer. And I'll start with that. Whoever gets the start, whoever Shane Beamer feels gives this team the best chance to win on Saturday, roll with them. I'll roll with coach. Got no reason to second-guess his decision-making. But I think it's as simple as this, guys. In my opinion, if Luke Doty is 110% ready to go, you start him. He's your guy. He's QB1. Yes, Zeb Nolan did a lot of nice things last weekend. Like we've said all week, he took the keys of the car. He played very efficient football. He didn't turn the football over. He made great decisions. But Luke Doty is QB1. 
He's been QB1 since the spring game. He was QB1 all summer. He was QB1 all fall camp until he got hurt. And if he's 110%, if he's ready to go, he needs to be QB1 yet again. Is he your guy or is he not? And as I've told you guys many times, I truly feel, I said it in the preseason, I've said it all along, I truly do feel the best version of this offense and the best version of this football team will come with number four under center. Again, guys, you're going to have to be dynamic offensively to win at some point. Will it be this weekend? I have no idea. But Luke Doty, the best version of this team, I fully believe is with him under center. I fully believe that. So again, I think it's as simple as, hey, if the guy is 110%, if he's healthy, if he's ready to go, I've seen a lot of people saying, well, what about a two-quarterback system? We'll start Nolan and then bring Doty in for a couple of drives or you know, flip-flop. Guys, if Doty's healthy enough to come in for a couple of drives, he's healthy enough to start and play the entire game. Also, I'll tell you this, Shane Beamer obviously holding the decision very close to the vest. I tend to think Luke Doty is 110% ready to go because why would he be practicing if he's not 100%? I mean, I don't feel like they'd be practicing him at full speed if he wasn't 110% ready to go. Like, you're not going to practice a guy on a 90% foot, right? Because you risk further injury. And certainly, if Luke Doty's not healthy, because what I'm saying is I'm making an assumption, if he's not healthy, well, then it's a no-brainer. You go with Zeb Nolan. You're not going to. I mean, it's just the second game of the season. You're not going to risk further injury to Luke Doty to win one game. But if Luke Doty's ready to go, if his foot is healed, and I understand, again, what Zeb Nolan did for you in week one, but I'm telling you, the best version of this offense and the best version of this football team, especially when you factor in the strengths and weaknesses, and there was nothing from week one that made me feel otherwise about what the strengths and the weaknesses are of the football team, especially offensively, when you factor all that in, if Luke Doty is 110% ready to go, if he is healthy, he should be, and I think he will be, starting under center, guys. I'll predict it right now. I think Luke Doty will start. I think Luke Doty will play the game. I don't see Shane Beaver being a guy that wants to play multiple quarterbacks. I had somebody tell me on social media, well, you got to play them both against ECU and find out who the man is. No, you need to know who the man is by kickoff. Use practice. Figure out who the man is there. And my other question, my other point is this. Was Luke Doty not the man when you named him QB1 after the spring game? Was he not the man all throughout summer? Was he not the man at the start of fall camp? So should Luke Doty lose his starting job due to an injury? What happened in week one, guys, under center is only a plus because at least now, if Luke Doty's not 100% or if something else comes up that knocks him out for a game or two, you know you have a guy who's at least capable of steadying the ship. So who gets the nod under center? Certainly. Everybody's going to be trying to dissect and figure out, oh, who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be the starter? We're not going to know until Saturday. Going to be very interesting, though, on Saturday morning to see who gets the first snaps under center. How much do they play? Is there any rotation? What is the status of Luke Doty? It'll be very, very interesting to follow as we creep closer and closer and closer to kickoff. Speaking of that Gamecocks offense, staying on that side of the ball, guys, another big storyline. And I talked about it yesterday from Shane Beamer's media availability on Tuesday. But Kevin Harris's return as he's set to make his 2021 debut what is his workload? How much does he play? And what do you get out of him? 
in this game Saturday against the East Carolina Pirates. Guys, I cannot wait to watch number 20 run the football. I, you know, I was so excited going in the opening weekend to watch Marshawn Lloyd and, and the other, you know, you got embarrassment of riches at running back, right? I was so excited to watch those guys tote the rock. But I really do feel like in the SEC's leading returning rusher, I feel like there's going to be a bit of a spark with Kevin Harris's return. You know, the running game was good last week, wasn't great last week. You need to see that take another step, I would say. I think Kevin Harris is a guy that can help you do that. Again, the big question with Kevin is a guy who really didn't even go through fall camp at all, hadn't been practicing a ton, did not get any gameplay, obviously, last week. What is his workload? How much do they use him? Because, again, you've got a slew of other backs that can help him out. Marshawn Lloyd, Quan White, Juju, Rashad Amos, the list goes on and on. But Kevin Harris suiting up for the first time, getting on the field for the first time. What type of impact can a guy like Kevin Harris make in this ballgame, especially when you're talking about guys, an ECU defense that allowed 201 yards per game rushing a season ago, and in their first game this season, 226 yards on the ground and two touchdowns and six point three yards per carry if you're Kevin Harris if you're Marshawn Lloyd if you're Quan White if you're that entire slew of running backs you've got to be licking your chops going into that game this weekend another top storyline guys on the outside one guy I'll be watching for particularly and one of the questions like I said going into week one was there going to be a guy that could sort of establish himself as a big time playmaker on the outside and I was not thrilled with what I saw from the wide receivers last weekend, and I still come into this game, and there was nothing that changed my mind off of that, hey, it's most likely going to be a deficiency in this 2021 football season. But Josh Van is a guy that showed flashes. Josh Van is a guy that you look at his performance last week and you say, you know what? We might have something there. We actually might have something. Could Josh Van be a guy that emerges as a playmaker for you? Could Josh Van be a guy that steps up as a weapon on the outside? Because, guys, no matter who's at quarterback, no matter how well you can run the ball, at some point you're going to have to have a threat on the outside to keep defenses honest. You did it against EIU. Great. That's awesome. Can you build off of that? Can Josh Van now build off of that and sort of, like I said, start to really establish himself as, 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 hey, I am wide receiver one. I am this team's go-to player at the wide receiver position. Going to be very, very interesting how early and often they go to Josh Van in this football game. Uh, another top storyline, guys, on the offense, the trenches, the offensive line play. How much of a jump does the offensive line make from week one to week two. I think that's a huge thing. You know, looking back at the tape, was South kind of terrible in run blocking? Not necessarily, but again, I don't think it was the dominant performance we all expected to see. The offensive line is going to have to be good Saturday for you to win this football game. Bottom line, they're going to have to play well. So winning in the trenches and really setting the tone at the line of scrimmage because you're going on the road, hostile environment. I mean, it's going to be crazy, packed, sold out. ECU fans are wild. You want to set the tone in this football game early. And you feel like where you can really win against ECU is up front. That's where you can take advantage of East Carolina because, again, they have shown the last year and game plus that they cannot hold up against the run game. For whatever reason, this is a defense that is terrible against the run. If you can go out, establish, hey, we're going to be the more physical football team today. We're going to be the team that pushes you around and not vice versa. Going to go a long way 
in determining the victor in this football game. Guys, moving to the other side of the ball, one of my top storylines. Simply put, can the South Carolina defense hold up against quality East Carolina athletes, right? ECU, guys, I'm not going to sit here and say they have the best athletes in college football or that their receivers are like, you know, a top-tier teams like Oklahoma's or some big-time offense, but ECU has got enough athletes on the outside to give you problems. There's no question. And, of course, we all know it starts with the defensive front, right? It starts with those guys up front, the creatures, as Jimmy Lindsay labels them, J.J. Anigbare, Jordan Birch, Jordan Strawn, Zach Pickens, Jabari Ellis, um, those guys up front for you. It, it starts with those guys. But can South Carolina hold up and play quality defense yet again for the second week in a row. Like I said, we didn't really learn anything last weekend. And I think the question marks for defense are still there for me. Yes, the secondary played very, very good football last week. And they took advantage of some very bad athletes on the outside that EIU presented. But this is a different challenge. This is a different animal. If you want to look at the stats from last week, hey, Holt Naylor's, while he was sacked four times, he did go 22 of 40 for 295 yards and two touchdowns. So they had success through the air. They had success. They've got some playmakers. Rajay Harris in the backfield, guys, a guy that is a native of South Carolina, he actually said in the preseason, this was the game he was looking forward to the most. ECU has quality athletes. And, guys, that's the biggest difference in competition from the SEC level to a school like ECU, right? The line of scrimmage is the biggest difference, like we just talked about. But these schools feature some pretty solid athletes. I mean, I think ECU's got a couple of receivers – I wouldn't mind if we had them on our roster. So they've got quality players. ECU a year ago was able to score offensively. And, hey, when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And they have a quarterback in Holt Naylor's. They have a guy that can beat you multiple ways. He can do it with his arm. He can get outside the pocket. And if he's able to do that, if you can't contain him, will this South Carolina secondary be able to withstand and hold their own and really eliminate the big play? You want to eliminate that back-breaking big touchdown over the top. That's been something that has absolutely killed South Carolina over the last couple of years. I, I don't think you have to be great defensively by any means. You don't have to pitch a shutout, God forbid, but you've got to avoid the big play, keep everything in front of you, You know, be opportunistic. You know, ECU has shown in the past, they will turn the football over, no question. Last year, one of the worst in college football at doing so in regards to the amount or the, the frequency in which they did. I think it was like every 31 or 32 snaps, they, they turned the ball over. So what do you get from your defense? Because, again, last week, you didn't learn anything. This will be a real test for the South Carolina defense. How much have you improved defensively? Just how good is your defensive line? How much of an impact on the game can the defensive line make? And can your secondary, in moments when you cannot get there with a pass rush, can they hold their own? Can they hold up against some athletes against ECU? Like I said, while they may not be the best athletes you'll see all year, East Carolina has got some quality guys on the outside. They've got a quality running back, and they've got a quarterback that can beat you if you are not careful. Guys, moving to special teams. Another top storyline for me, Beamer Ball, right? Last week, two blocked punts, a, a trick play on the two-point conversion. Will the impact of Beamer Ball be felt yet again? Guys, I don't think it's fair to expect South Carolina to block a kick or block a punt or have a big return or, or anything like that each and every single week. But 
I think if nothing else, what last week showed you is if the opportunity is there, I think Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo are going to take advantage. So if at any point East Carolina is caught napping, if they are sleeping at all in special teams in this game and sort of just going through the motions, I think Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo are going to make them pay. And of course, as we know, when you make a play like they made last week in special teams, when you're able to block a punt, when you're able to do those type of things, it just completely swings the game in your favor. So will we see the impact of Beamer Ball or as Shane Beamer labels it, Beamer Ball 2.0? Will that be felt yet again for the second week in a row? Guys, another top storyline for me. And we're really getting into the fun ones now. The first road test for Shane Beamer's football team. And guys, this is something I actually talked about all preseason long, and I am giddy for this weekend. I'm excited. Like, I'm really fired up. I was excited last weekend, I feel like, for different reasons because of, you know, what the game against EIU, what it really represented in regards to, you know, the start of a new era, the quote-unquote rebirth of Gamecocks football, just the beginning of something new in Columbia, South Carolina. But the reason I'm giddy for this week is because I think we're actually going to learn something about this Gamecocks football team this season. And I want to make this very clear, too. And I'm going to get into this more to my next point. Win or lose does not determine whether the Shane Beamer era is going to be a success or a failure, right? I, I don't want to put, like, that much emphasis on it. But we're going to learn a lot about this football team and where its strengths and its deficiencies lie. And also, how does it handle adversity. I talked about that a lot in the preseason. You know what? It's easy to be positive and have positive emotion and positive energy and, and, and all this positivity and these, these warm and fuzzy feelings all throughout the preseason and talking season and recruiting and in the summer and, 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 and what have you. But when you get in a game like this, you're going on the road, you will face adversity. You will hit adversity, right? adversity will strike in this football game at some point. Going to be a raucous, rowdy atmosphere. And I know some fans scoff, oh, 50,000-seat stadium. Like, what are you talking about? Dude, Shane Beamer said it himself. Dowdy Ficklin Stadium is more raucous and more rowdy than a lot of Big 12 and ACC environments that he has been to. That He said that word for word. So, the first road test ever for Shane Beamer's football team. And the first time this football team is really going to feel adversity. The mark of a great team is how do you respond to adversity? And we've seen far too often with the previous regime and the previous years of Gamecocks football, like I told you guys last week, with the emotions, we've seen a team get way too high when things go, go well and way too low when they don't. I'm very excited and intrigued and curious to see how this football team will respond to adversity. I'm excited and intrigued to see how this football team reacts when things don't necessarily go their way. That's going to tell us a lot about this team and the type of football team and the type of coach that Shane Beamer and his staff, the type of job they are doing as well. And I think they will respond positively, but it's always interesting to see what will this team do when adversity inevitably strikes. Guys, my final top storyline. And I asked Alex McGrath this, and I'll pose this question again because I do want to mention it because I talked about it all preseason long. Just how important is Saturday's game against East Carolina? Because I'm sure you guys got tired of hearing it from yours truly. And I said it many times. 
This is the most important football game of the 2021 football season. Guys, like I just mentioned, I don't want that to get twisted with, oh, if we lose this game, the Shane Beamer hire was a mistake and we're doomed, blah, blah, blah. You know, win or lose, the result of this football game and this football game alone is not going to determine, oh, this is how the Shane Beamer era is going to go. Oh, this is how his tenure will be in Columbia. Does not matter. But if you're looking at the 2021 Gamecocks specifically and the scope of this 2021 season, I stand by what I said in the preseason, guys. I don't care if you think South Carolina is going to win 42 to nothing or if you think it's going to be a close game like I do. I stand by what I said in the preseason. This is the most important game of the 2021 season. Bottom line, this is the most important game. Because while a win or a loss might not dictate success for Shane Beamer's tenure at South Carolina, I think it does and it will dictate success for this 2021 football team specifically. Win and all of your goals are still in front of you. Getting to six wins or more, making a bowl game, having a successful first year under Shane Beamer. Lose this football game, and I think it's no bowl game for the Gamecocks. I think this is simply one you have to have, the goal being six and six at minimum. If you're going to get there, you got to take care of your business, and you've got to beat East Carolina. So, again, guys, like I said, all throughout the preseason, I'll say it again, this is the most important game of the 2021 season. I stand by that, and it's a pivotal pivotal early season matchup for these Gamecocks as you look to navigate and sort of sort of find yourself early in this season. Again, I know a lot of people have used measuring stick, that phrase, when in regards to this football game. You can certainly look at it that way. You can certainly look at it just where are you as a football team because you didn't learn anything last week. You didn't learn anything last week in CIU. We'll learn things about South Carolina this weekend as the Gamecocks travel to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. All right, guys, let's move into key matchups to watch for this weekend's game as the Gamecocks travel to Greenville, North Carolina, guys. And we will start. I mentioned line of scrimmage and just how important that is for South Carolina, of course, not just in this game, but each and every single game they play throughout this year. I'm going to start up front on the defensive side, though. And I mentioned this South Carolina defense because, you know, going into this one, I'm not sure what worries me more, <laughs> South Carolina's offense or their defense. But I do know this. If you're going to have to, if you're going to have success defensively, you're going to have to limit what Holton Aylers can do, the quarterback of East Carolina, who's a very capable football player, and I think someone ECU fans are very high on. So the first matchup I look at is defensive lineman Jordan Birch against quarterback. Holton Aylers. Again, guys, like I told you, the ECU offensive line, they did not do a great job of protecting him. Aylers sacked four times in week one. And while I know Jordan Burks didn't have a massive stat sheet game in week one, he did have that big pick six, and you saw that athleticism. I think Jordan Burks at that buck position, sort of that free-range position, if you will, I think containing Holton Aylers, not letting him get free outside of the pocket, don't let him beat you with his leg – and just making life hell for him, putting pressure on him. Because I think Ehlers is a guy, while he's very capable and they're very confident in him, I think he's a very good player and a very good quarterback. He's shown at times, if you are able to get pressure on him, he will make a mistake. He will make that back-breaking mistake 
for the Pirates. And, of course, a guy like Jordan Birch, ECU's offensive line, guys, and it's with all due respect to everybody else on our defensive line because they're all great players, but ECU's offensive line is not going to see an athlete, a specimen like Jordan Birch, all season long. So, again, I think Jordan Birch, can he get after Holt Naylor's? When Ehlers tries to get outside the pocket, can he be there to greet the veteran signal caller from ECU? So, again, defensive lineman Jordan Birch against quarterback Holton Ehlers. My second key matchup to watch. Guys, like I told you earlier, I think it's going to be Luke Doty under center. I'd be surprised if it's not Luke Doty under center. So for this key matchup, I'm putting Luke Doty in this because I think he will be your starter on Saturday. I think he will be the quarterback the Gamecocks roll with as they look to take down ECU. We talk running game, and we talk how important that is for South Carolina and what you have to do in the running game to have success. But you're going to have to throw it at some point. You're going to have to pass the football. And when Luke Doty, Zeb Nolan, whoever it is, but I think Luke Doty, when he throws the football, the guy he's going to have to look out for is defensive back Jaquan McMillan. McMillan, guys, leading the team last year with four interceptions. He had an interception last week against App State, has really good ball skills, and a guy that can beat you and make a game-changing play if you are not careful. Again, for Luke Doty, his first game action of the 2021 season, he's going to have to be sharp. He's going to have to be crisp. The thing that Zeb Nolan did so well last week was he took care of the football. And when you're going on the road into a hostile environment and you're looking for a big win – turnovers are at a premium getting them and not giving them are at a premium so Luke Doty gonna have to be sharp gonna have to be crisp gonna have to be accurate and play smart football so again guys my second key matchup quarterback Luke Doty against defensive back Jaquan McMillan guys my final key matchup to watch you look at the running game on the other side and guys like I said I don't know if anybody's looking forward to this game more than Rajay Harris, the running back for East Carolina, a native of the state. Really, I think it was overlooked, wasn't even offered, I think, by South Carolina. They asked him in the preseason which game he was most looking forward to this season, and he said the game against the Gamecocks, the South Carolina game. So you know he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be running hard. Who's going to be the guy in the middle that's going to stop him? That's not going to allow that. That's going to set the tone and match that physicality. Linebacker Sherrod Green against running back Rajay Harris. Guys, like I said, Harris a season ago, 624 yards on the ground, four touchdowns in the game Saturday against App State was stymied, did not do well. Eight carries for 22 yards. Did not score a touchdown. Sherrod Green, a solid performance last week against EIU, and he will start in the middle for you guys. Like I told you, one of, if not the most underrated loss on this Gamecocks football team, certainly this defense, was the loss of Ernest Jones, that true thumper, that tone setter in the middle. Who's going to be that guy in this football game? Is that, that You didn't see that last week, right? You didn't see that. Your defensive line was just so good, and you overmatched EIU to a point where that wasn't a big deal. But I really believe in this football game, ECU is going to lean on a Rajay Harris, and Rajay Harris is going to be toting the rock like a man with his hair on fire. Sherrod Green, Debo Williams, Rosendo Lewis, uh, you know Brad Johnson, Damani Staley, whoever, but I think it's going to be Sherrod Green in that middle, the veteran. He's got to step up. He's got to step up be there in the run game, and limit the rushing attack. Because if you get to a point where ECU can run the football on you, it is going to be a very, very, very long day 
defensively. So again, my final key matchup to watch, guys, linebacker Sherrod Green against the ECU running back Rajay Harris. All right, guys, let's move into keys to the game for this weekend's game as the Gamecocks take on the ECU Pirates. And I mentioned this on the Daily Crow yesterday, guys, because when you start talking keys to the game for South Carolina, I feel like I could become very, very, very repetitive um, because there are certain things I think South Carolina is a football team, at least going off of what we know right now. There are certain things that South Carolina, I think we, all, we could all agree, has to do on a week-in, week-out basis. So I'm trying to get a little creative in regards to the keys to the game so I don't sound like a broken record. But my first key to the game, I kept going back and forth. And I'm like, you know what? This one has to be listed. My first key to the game is simply ground and pound. Guys, if you're going to beat East Carolina and to have a successful day on Saturday, you've got to lean on your running game. I, just bottom line. If you cannot run the football, and I said this in the preseason, guys, in games where South Carolina cannot run the ball, it's going to be a very, very, very long afternoon. And you think about East Carolina and their issues and their deficiencies, might I add. 201 yards per game on the ground they surrendered in 2020. They give up 226 yards, 6.3 yards per carry in week one against Appalachian State. Guys, that's where you win this football game. That is the matchup right there. If you're talking about position units and which matchup favors South Carolina the best, your O-line against their D-line, you should be able to expose them all afternoon. It should be a very, very fun day for the big uglies. So ground and pound, be stingy in the run game, establish the run game early. As like I said a little bit earlier, when it comes to your big uglies up front, Set the tone. You want to take ECU out this thing early? You want to, you know, tell ECU what type of day it's going to be? Because they're going to come into this game, guys, high-flying. We're going to pull the upset, all this confidence and momentum and energy. Hey, go push somebody around. Go move some bodies. Go drive some dudes in the dirt. They're going to be thinking differently real quick. So, again, it's no secret. Their weakness is D-line. Your strength is O-line and running backs. Set the tone early in this football game. So, again, my first key, ground and pound for the Gamecocks. My second key to the game, and I mentioned Jordan Birch earlier, but really this, this applies to the entire defensive line and your linebackers as well. When you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And East Carolina's got a quarterback, and Holt Naylor's. I think a guy that's a quality player, is he a perfect quarterback? Not necessarily, but someone that, has high upside, he's an athlete, and can beat you in multiple ways. My second key to the game, guys, you have got to contain Holton Aylers. How often have we watched a Gamecocks defense get beat due to a dual-threat quarterback? It's happened a fair amount. It's happened more than I'd like to admit. Listen, you're going to... You're going... It's. I think you're going to have some success defensively on Saturday. I do think so. But with a guy like Holt Naylor's, getting to him in the pass rush, that's an obvious key, right? You need to get pressure on the quarterback, make him make quick decisions, get him uncomfortable, all that good stuff. But your secondary is still a question mark, and your secondary will be tested on Saturday. And if you allow Holt Naylor's to get outside of the pocket, you know, you get pressure on him, that's great, but if he gets outside the pocket and all of a sudden he's rolling out and your defensive backs have got to cover even longer than they expected to, it's going to be very, very tough on those guys. Hell, it'd be tough on any secondary guys when you allow a mobile quarterback to move around and improvise and all of a sudden, boom, there's your big play, there's your busted coverage, et cetera. 
Getting to Holt Nailers is key in this one. But what's even a greater key, and why I've listed as one of my keys to the game, containing Holt Nailers. Keep him in the pocket. Make him one-dimensional in regards of what he can do to beat you. Take away his legs. Take away the run game. Because, again, that could be something that plays a big factor in this game. If you're allowing Aylers to run, they've already got some pretty good athletes on the outside. They've got a good running back. All of a sudden, if they get the quarterback run game going, you're out there guessing as a defense. So, again, you want to get after Holt Naylor's, but you want to contain him. Keep him in the pocket. Make his life hell in that pocket and make him make some bad decisions. I think you do that. It'll be a very, very fun day for this county defense on Saturday. Guys, my final key to the game in this one, and like I said, This game is being circled for East Carolina fans as like one of the biggest ever for them in years. Certainly the biggest game in the Mike Houston era. It'll be a packed house, a raucous environment. I know it's a noon kickoff. I totally understand. But ECU fans will show up and show out. And like I told you guys earlier, you are inevitably going to hit some adversity, right? This is going to be the first time for a lot of guys in an atmosphere like this. I don't care what you think. If you think it's a crappy stadium and only 50,000 people, for these players – A lot of these guys have never been on the road. A lot of these guys haven't played an atmosphere like this. My final and third key to the game, and maybe the most important, weather the storm. Because ECU, guys, I fully believe, is going to give you their best shot. ECU is going to give you their best shot, especially early. They're going to come out the gates firing, ready to, you know, give the crowd something to go nuts over. I mean, they're going to want to fuel that home crowd. You've got to weather the storm early. Okay, ECU is going to punch. Make sure you can take the punch, and better yet, you punch back. They're going to be guns a-blazing early, no pun intended, as the Pirates are. But hold your own, weather the storm, respond to adversity the right way, and play the football game. If you can take the crowd out early, great. But if nothing else, don't let things get out of hand. Don't let the momentum get out of hand early in this football game because that's going to be ECU's goal. They're going to want to start fast. They're going to want to keep the crowd involved, and they're going to want to make life hell on Luke Doty, Zeb Nolan, whoever it is, and the Gamecocks football team as a whole. So, again, guys, my three keys to the game, ground and pound, contain Holt Nailers, and weather the storm. You do those three things, I think it should be a successful day for South Carolina. All right, guys, that's going to do it all for our breakdown of Saturday's game. Gamecocks traveling to ECU to take on the ECU Pirates in a big, pivotal, dare I say a must-win, early season matchup against the Pirates. I guess that's for you to decide. But again, that's it. I will give you guys my prediction on tomorrow's show. We'll officially lock in our prediction for this one. Will South Carolina get the W on the road and move to 2-0? and early in this 2021 football season. All right, guys, let's get into your listener questions here. We have a ton of listener questions to get into. We will start with Krusty Andy. ECU struggle to stop the run versus app. Let Harris, Lloyd, and White feast. I agree. That's where it all starts. Run the football. Austin G underscore 45. Same as last week, but who makes the biggest impact on the outcome of this game? Mm, Great question. I will say Kevin Harris. I, I think Kevin Harris, man, is going to be so excited to get back to playing. I, I have a feeling he's going to have a big game. I really do. Eric Reese underscore. The Gamecocks rush for blank yards against the Pirates. Um, oh, Man. 
I, I think 200. I, I really do. I, I think you're going to have to rush for 200 to have a successful day. And I think they will. I think the offensive line will play better this weekend. Uh, Richard Niven, how long does Zeb start until Doty is back? I'm hoping we see Luke later in the game. Again, guys, like I said, if Luke Doty's 110%, if Luke Doty's healthy enough to come into the game at any point, he should be starting and playing the entire game. Bottom line. He's QB1. He's your guy. He won the job. Zeb Nolan doesn't even put on a jersey if Luke Doty did not get hurt. So, for me, I say I don't think you're going to see multiple quarterbacks, guys. I, I don't think Shane Beamer will approach this game that way. If Luke Doty's 110%, he's going to start, and it's going to be his game. If he's not healthy, you're not going to see Luke Doty. Period. Bottom line. So, and we'll see what happens. We don't know. Um, RJ Harrelson, most important position group for this game, specifically be to beat ECU. It's got to be offensive line. If your offensive line doesn't play well, I don't see you winning this football game. Uh, B Phil 33. Why did we not see Amari and Brown in the field much Saturday? I, dude, I don't, I don't know. It's a great mystery that is Amari and Brown. I, I don't know what happened. I know we had COVID, but maybe we'll see more of him this weekend. Uh, Josh.Ren. D-line played well against EIU, but stats don't really show it. How do you think they play against ECU? I mean, I, I'd expect the D-line to play very well. I mean, listen, you've got the athletes. There's no question. that. And again, both offensively and defensively, the line of scrimmage, that's where you should be able to beat East Carolina. That's where you should be able to really dictate the result of this football game. So I'd expect them to play really well. Uh, Josh Dotrin again, how do you feel about making Stormtroopers making an appearance this weekend? Love the Stormtroopers. Love the Stormtroopers. Uh, Bobby Light SC, 31-24 Gamecocks. Doty tosses one and runs one in. Lloyd and Harris both score. I will take that score right now in a heartbeat. Uh, LJ Cooper, last question. Do we get the W by 10, 20, 30, or more points? My prediction, LJ will drop tomorrow. Great question, though. Great question. Full prediction dropping on tomorrow's podcast. Again, guys, thank you all so much for the questions. I appreciate you all tuning in, folks, but the fun's not ending now. we got a great conversation, a fantastic interview. Former Gamecocks women's golfer, Caitlin Damball joins the show, guys. Incredible stuff, incredible conversation. Caitlin, a phenomenal golfer during her time at South Carolina. Really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Also, highlight what women's golf, what women's golf is doing at South Carolina, guys. Women's sports as a whole, are crushing it at USC and was fortunate enough to run into Caitlin and chat with her briefly at our hall show actually last week and figure, you know what? Why not? I was like, you want to come on the show? Let's spread some positivity. Let's spread the, uh, spread the love to Gamecocks women's golf and everything they are doing uh, in regards to, you know, everything going on for the Gamecocks. So again, fantastic stuff with Caitlin. Again, guys, my full prediction for the ECU game will be out on tomorrow's show, but that's going to do it for our breakdown and everything else. In regards to ECU, going to be one hell of a weekend. But folks, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate the continued love and support. Now, enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks women's golfer Caitlin Damball. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show, guys. Very exciting. She played for the Gamecocks women's golf team from 2013 to 2017. Was named second team All-SEC in 2014 and 2015. And then first team All-SEC in 2016 and 2017, guys. She's actually first in career scoring average at the University of South Carolina. I can tell you guys, 
Her accolades are far too long to read off, so I'm just going to give you the highlights. But she got her LPGA card in 2018, currently on the professional golf grind, if you will. And very excited to chat with her about not just her career, but all the great things happening within Gamecocks women's golf as well. Former Gamecocks women's golfer, Caitlin Damball joins the show. Caitlin, appreciate you taking the time. It is a pleasure to have you on. I'm very happy that you are the first ever former women's golfer or just women's golfer in general to join the Spurs up show. We've had Matt Neesmith, Wesley Bryan, a couple Mm -hmm. of men's golfers on, but the first ever women's golfer to join the airwaves. So I appreciate you taking the time, Caitlin, looking forward to the chat. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be able to talk women's golf. You know, it's, we have a pretty strong program here at South Carolina and, you know, a lot of people don't know that because it's such a small sport, but it's one of the top women's programs in the school. And we might talk a little Gamecocks football as well near the end of the show. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. Just like we did last week at Halls for sure. We'll, we'll keep that combo going. <laughs> but uh, no, Caitlin, I want to go back to the beginning for you because obviously, I mean, you, you hit the ground running the second you got to South Ghana your freshman year. Like I said, the accolades, there's like literally too many to read off, but second team all SEC, SEC all freshman team. But again, you're from Goose Creek, South Carolina, and went to Pinewood Prep. I mean, was it as simple for you as, and I know that the recruiting and golf is kind of similar to baseball where it just starts so early, but was yeah. it similar for you as, or was it simple for you as, you know, you're in state, you grew up a Gamecock fan, or was there a decision-making process in regards to where you were going to play your college golf? Just kind of walk us through that process. What was that recruiting process like for you, if you will? Right. So I actually grew up a Duke fan. Um, I was a huge mm. Duke basketball fan, like loved Duke, my dream school, whatever. Did a few visits, visited there, North Carolina, Florida, a couple other places. Um, and then I came here. And the thing is, I was never like a South Carolina fan, never paid attention to it. But I came here on this campus. And the biggest thing for me was the coach, mm. um, Kaylin Anderson. We clicked just right at the beginning. She's amazing. She's more like a sister to me um, now. We have such a great relationship. But when I got here, the chemistry with her and Puggy Blackman, who was the assistant at the time, um, just the culture that they had started to have here. And I just wanted to be a part of it. And right when I stepped foot on this campus, I knew this is where I wanted to be. Well, was there a major adjustment for you? Because I feel like, again, you know, not to golf is golf to some degree. I mean, it's, and I've talked to Matt and Wes and those other guys about it. Like to some degree, golf is golf. Certainly the competition gets better. The courses you're playing, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to execute to be a great golfer. Was there an adjustment for you in regards to like the college life or just handling? Cause I know that's, you know, for, for college athletes, many people don't think about that type of adjustment and what all goes into that, because that can affect your play, obviously on the course, on the field, whatever it is. What was there any major adjustment for you? Cause again, obviously statistically, I mean, you crushed it your freshman year, but what were the challenges I guess you faced, uh, you know, being a freshman, being a college golfer, if you will. First off, it's just the culture. Um, my graduating class at Pinewood, we had 60 or 64 people in my old mm. class. So super, super small school. And then I come here to where we have what, almost 30,000 students. Like it, that was a huge shock to me. And the biggest thing for college golf is the time management um, being able to do that with school because mm. junior golf or golf before school um, college, it's, you do it. Your, your parents drive you there. Like everything's it's on the weekends. You don't miss school, but you know, with, cause you're, we leave on usually Wednesdays and, you know, miss the rest of the week. It's really hard with time management and, you know, having mandatory 6am workouts and then tutor appointments that you have to get to. It's just a whole nother world. It's honestly, it's like a job. Mm. So it's the time management part was the biggest 
thing that I had to adjust to. Now you mentioned Kaylin Anderson. I, I want to go mm-hmm. to her really quickly because not, you know, not as many people as probably should be are familiar with what she's done with the program. I, I'd love to hear yeah. for you to hear more of, or hear more about her because, you know, I, I told you before I was able to talk with the, uh, with the men's golf coach, Billy Mack. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing his perspective because golf is such an individual sport, but you have mm-hmm. a head coach in college. Um, the type of role she played for you again, with for you, did you need more hands-on or are you more hands-off kind of leave me alone? Let me do my thing and be there for the mental side. Like what was that relationship like for you? She was pretty hands-on with me just because we had such a great relationship. Um, she knew my golf coach. So if there was something wrong with my golf swing, um, or anything like that, they would communicate. So she would know what I have to work on and keep an eye on it. But she is just, she's done something with this program that not many coaches can say they've done. She's, it's literally a top program in the country. The past, I was looking at it, um, the past like seven or eight years, we've been consistently in the top 10 rankings mm. with a few times being number one in the country. Um, but she's, every player is different. She's there to be whatever she needs to be for whichever player she keeps us accountable. And that's the biggest thing. She holds us accountable to work on what we need to work on. And, you know, she'll, she'll tell you if you're not doing it. So that's kind of what I like because I played basketball growing up. So I loved the strict like structure, you know, I love being held accountable. Hmm. Now backtracking a little bit, you said you played basketball. I'm curious, where did Uh the love of golf come from? Because so I'm actually someone, I played competitive golf till I was 15. And at that point made the decision that, you know, I was like, you know, I, I love golf, but I have a passion for baseball. So went on and played baseball in college at Newberry college, but Golf is one of those sports where that I, I feel like, at least for me, that the toughest part about sticking it out and getting to the college level is just really the mental side. Like a lot of kids just aren't ready to deal with that much failure mm-hmm. that you get in the game. Golf's very, very humbling, very humbling, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was a little bit of a hothead when I was younger, but was it? <laughs> so was I. Yes. Was it something that uh, your mom, dad, brother, sister got you into? Did you just pick it up on your own? Like, where did that love for the sport of golf come for you? So both of my parents are amazing athletes. My dad played baseball, had um, shoulder injuries. Um, Mom did softball, basketball, everything. So I grew up playing so many different sports, but with golf, you know, that would be something that my parents would go do for fun. And so I would go with them just to drive the golf cart, you know, like a normal seven-year-old kid wanted to do. And, you know, what I've been told is they threw a ball down there and I hit it and it just kind of went from there. Mm. Very humble beginnings, for sure. Very humble beginnings, which I mean, again, yes. And then it led to, again, what you did at South Carolina. Like, I I, I say this, and I want folks to understand, like, I'm not over-exaggerating. Literally, the accolades of your career at South Carolina, like, we're talking number one in career scoring average, second in career top fives, third in career top tens, first in single season scoring, first in all-time senior score. We just keep going down the list, down the list. Which of the accolades – stand out most to you and again twice named first team all sec twice second team all sec freshman all sec you know i think golf week like player of the the year or golf week honorable mention all american um i think you might have and i think billy was actually telling me i think you were the first women's golfer to get the golf week all american honors maybe i could be wrong but i'm not sure i, I, don't, I don't know, know. Who knows? Who knows? Either way, Who you were named. You were named your senior year golf week second team All American and SEC academic honor roll too. So the, the honors like literally packed, you mm-hmm. know, stacked up. Are, is there any like? Is there one that stands out like your most proud achievement from your days at South Carolina? So I have two. I, I was. I'm pretty sure it might have been my junior year. Um, I'm, I think I was first team All American, and then my senior year when I decided to come back to school, I won the SEC championship. 
So I won the individual SEC. So that's like the staple for me on my mm-hmm. college career is winning SECs. Mm-hmm. What, what, what in your game specifically makes you so successful? Like some people, their strength is driving the golf ball. Some people, it's their putting short game. I mean, for you, what, I'm sure it's a, it's a mix of all those things, but what would you, when you, when you critiqued your own game, the strengths and weaknesses uh, of Caitlin's game? So it might be a little different now since my surgeries, but in college, um, my ball striking, I drove the ball really well. Um, Mm -hmm. In college, now it's a little different because I can't do certain things, but I think overall, just the fact that I'm an athlete, like even if I don't have my best game, like my score might not be great, but it, it could definitely get a lot worse. I find a way to get the ball in the hole somehow, even if I have no idea what I'm doing. Which is very important um, in the game of golf. <laughs> yeah. So very important. I think just the fact that just being an athlete my whole life kind of helped me with that. Hmm. Now, something I want to switch gears a little bit, Caitlin, I think so cool. And I just love to hear from your perspective, the amount of pride I'm sure you take in, because I feel like women's golf, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like I said, I've been around the game of golf my whole life. My dad played college golf at USC Aiken, and I've worked in golf settings before when I was in college and stuff. And, uh, the, the women's game overall has grown so much. And I mean, you talk to people, you know, that they, they kind of like half jokingly say, man, like, you know, if you have a daughter and she plays high school golf and she's really good, like you can get a scholarship, like people are looking for really successful women golfers. I, I would just ask you like, how much pride do you take? I guess. And like, cause you're, you're most certainly, I mean, maybe you're not the number one player on the LPAGA tour right now, but yeah. you're carrying the torch in regards to young women across the state of South Carolina. And just in general, that maybe they don't think of golf as you know, an outlet or a sport they can even play or something they can can pursue. And so I, I kind of feel like I would look at someone like yourself as sort of like a trendsetter, if you will, and a role model for those that, you know, it's something that isn't a very heavily treaded path, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if I'm if right. I'm hitting the exact point that I'm no, trying yeah, to get yeah. to, but yeah, just how much pride you take in that again. I think it's just something really cool that you've been able to sort of set that path and, you know, get to the point you're at now, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. Um, And and golf is, you're right. It's not the sport that people look at like, and be like, Oh, like my kid could do this, 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 but it's starting to catch on. There was a young girl who was around who lives in the Columbia area. She was really young when I was in college and she looked up to the team and, you know, I got to know her a good bit and now she's decided to take golf up seriously and she's actually starting to thrive and play really well. And, you know, it's just really cool to feel like you can have an impact on the young kids and then kind of see where they've come in the last five or six years. Hmm. now the professional grind whether it be the men's side or the women's side it's a very real thing I mean again talking yes. to guys like Neesmith and, and Wes and them I mean it's, it's you know it's 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 a grind no question you have to yeah. love it and of course you you uh turned pro 2018 got your car just give us some give us some insight I know you ran into the injuries but the initial grind of the professional game and was there a major adjustment for you I mean it is again it's still golf but certainly when you're putting for dinner versus just playing to win trophies or playing to yes. help your college team. It's, it's a lot different type of mindset. Just talk about that adjustment for you. And I guess what that experience was like initially, if you will. Yeah. So when I graduated and went straight to the Symmetra tour, um, literally maybe like two weeks after graduate, after a national championship here. And I think that helped me because I didn't have much time to sit and be like, okay, now it's professional golf. Like college is done. I just kind of kept going um, with the momentum from college and it helped me that year. Um, but after that year, when I got my card, so for 2018, it was a lot different. And, you know, in school, your coaches tell you what you're wearing, what time to be where, where we're eating, you know, your tea times, all that. 
when you're out there on your own in professional golf, you do it all by yourself. You travel by yourself. That's, that's the biggest thing is people don't realize how lonely it can be out there. Um, especially when you just start, it's, it's extremely, extremely lonely and it can get to you, but you know, you just have to be tough, like make your schedules, do everything that, you know, your coaches would do, but it's a, it's a grind. Like you take every day you can get off, you take it off. At least I do. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, it's, you have to have that balance for sure. And I mean, that, that mm-hmm. strenuous schedule, like you said, um, I know you mentioned off air, Caitlin, you ran into the injury bug, which is never fun, no matter what sport you're playing. Just yeah. talk about that again. Like you said, not only are you on the grind of professional golf, not only are you on the road alone, but then you get injured. And that that's a really lonely feeling when you're on the yeah. rehab type of grind, if you will. I mean, what's that been like? How have you, how have you made, been able to overcome that adversity? I know it's something you're still getting back from and getting over, but uh, dealing with that, what was the injury? And again, because people think of golf, like, oh, you can't get hurt playing golf, but yeah, yeah you actually can. You actually can, believe it or not. So. Yes. Um, so I actually hurt my hand. I had three surgeries in 2019. Um, first one, January, and I think July and October, something like that. But so a few different things were wrong and some things, you know, you couldn't see on an MRI. So they would have to go into my hand to see it. Um, I took probably at least 12 to 13 months without touching a golf club. And in golf, like it's a long, you know, golf in a way, like it's not like just riding a bike. Mm. Um, you know, I came back after that, like after three days of taking off, like just taking off from practice and then I go practice, you know, and it, it just feels weird. So mm. over a year, I couldn't get the ball off the ground. Um, it was, it was very hard mentally. Like that's a place that, you know, nobody wants to be cause you know, I've done golf my whole life. So you sit there at home and you're like, okay, I can't play. I don't know if this surgery is, if this surgery is going to be the last one, if this is going to work. And then you start thinking like, what, what am I going to do with my life? Like, like it's, it's just crazy. And people don't realize that, but it, it took me about a year to start to feel comfortable with my golf after the year off. Mm. Where are you at now with your game? I'm curious. Cause I mean, no, you, to people that don't realize, yeah, it's, it's golf is one of those sports that you have to, whether you're playing great or you're playing horribly, like the only way to get better is to play. Like you have to play every single yeah. day. And definitely oh, it's one, sure. yeah, you take that time off. I can only imagine how wacky, out of whack yeah. your swing felt. Where are you at now currently with your game though? I'm curious. Uh, it's actually the best it's been since my hand surgery. You know, I'm not going to be the same player I was in school, but I'm trying to become a different type of player. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually, I'm actually feeling confident today. Like I played this morning, I shot four under, I was like through the moon, like, this is awesome. Um, but it's, it's getting there. It's a process and it's all about trusting it. For sure. Now, Caitlin, I I definitely, before we get out of here, I definitely want to highlight, like you mentioned, your head coach, Caitlin Anderson and the Gamecocks Uh women's golf program as a yes. whole, like I mentioned, you have tons of accolades, but so does she, and so does Gamecocks. Yes. Golf. Um, I'm just reading here under Anderson, the Gamecocks have won five NCAA regional titles in 10, 12, yeah. 15, 16, and 17, advanced to eight NCAA championships in the last 10 seasons, uh-huh. um, advanced to an NCAA regional for 21 straight seasons. That is that is getting the job done. Um, I, I'd yeah. just love to hear more from you again, just overall the – you know, the golf program going into this year, I know last year with the pandemic and everything was so right. out of whack, but the, and you mentioned you guys have like the, what the number one, your number one prospect on, on campus right now or for a visit and sounds like you mm-hmm. guys are going to get them, but you guys are on a roll, Kaylin Anderson, all the players there would just love to hear more. And again, that's, that was, you know, one of the big things for obviously our conversation is just bringing awareness to the great things you guys are doing in women's golf. Cause you guys are absolutely crushing it in, in every yeah. facet of the game. 
yeah, I mean, she's, she's incredible. There's, I don't think there's another coach out there like her. Um, I'm lucky enough to be allowed to be the volunteer assistant coach for them um, when I'm home. And it's just the culture that she has built this program. And it's just, it's incredible. The girls love it. The thing about her though, is our team is super diverse in a way to where she, she, she goes to Europe. She goes all over the world to recruit. Um, she doesn't just stay in the States and, you know, she gets the job done. She does what she needs to do to make this program what it is. And, and it, it, it shows. So I guess all that's left is a national title, right? I mean, it, it getting that I mean, national it's coming. She's yeah, had that... so many opportunities. I mean, it's, it has to come soon. That national championship I'd say, I'd up say next. Within the next, within the next four years. That's yeah. what I say. Women's mm-hmm. women's sports, just carrying the torch at the university of South Carolina. I yes. mean, it is, it is yes. incredible. Truly, truly. Okay. Uh, yeah. th- Caitlin, this has been a blast before I get you out of here though. Of course, Gamecocks football. I know, I know you, oh, I know you gave your prediction eight and four, last baby. week. So you're sticking with eight and four. We're, we're going to stay with that. You hey, know, you're one to know right now. So, I mean, you know, you're I am. only you know, seven I've more talked to some people. I've talked to some people. I was like, you guys, like I went and sounded like a dummy. I said eight and four. They're like, you know what? No, like be, have hope. And I was like, so I might say seven, but no, I'm sticking. I'm holding our guys accountable. I'm saying eight. I like that. Be confident. I, I'll ask you, done. I'll ask you this. Cause of course this is going to drop tomorrow. And of course we're talking the week of the East Carolina game. You got any yes. thoughts on the game this weekend? I, I know there's been a lot of people say it's going to be a close game. Some people think it's going to be a blowout. How, how do you feel about the, the game up in uh, Greenville, North Carolina? Obviously I think we're going to win. I called us to win. Right. right. Um, I don't think it's going to be like super close. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout either. Fair so enough. I think Fair it'll enough. be a good game to watch. I, let's hope so for the good guys, for the guys in Garnet. Hey, for sure. For all like of us I in told Garnet. you earlier, I'm optimistic. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Caitlin Dambo, last thing before I get chatter, actually, favorite memory from a Gamecocks football game. I, I, I'll leave you with that. I, obviously, you were at, in school during some, during some peaks, during some valleys. There were some very interesting times while you were at Carolina. Mm-hmm. Is there one game that stands out? That, like, that's 2013 like, Clemson game. I mean, yeah. obviously, that was about right when I got into school is when we were at our best. So I was at that you know. game as well. And God, that was such a fun night. It was insane. <laughs> that was such a fun night. That and was then such I a think fun that, night. I think it was a Georgia. I don't know if that was, that might have been sophomore year, the Georgia game where it poured Yeah, 2014, and, the, yes, the lightning that, delay game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. I was also there for that yeah. one. And what a, what a yeah. magic, what a magical weekend in Columbia that was. Yes, for sure. For sure. Caitlin, Caitlin Dambaugh, I appreciate you taking the time, Caitlin. Yeah. This has been incredible. Thank and you. like I said, it's best of luck with your career, everything you have going on. And best of luck to Gamecocks women's golf as well. Again, I think it was great to obviously shine light on your career. But, of course, uh, what Caitlin Anderson, what Gamecocks women's golf as a whole is doing. Very excited to follow along with you guys and, and all the great things happening. I expect nothing but continued massive success and like i said that national championship coming sooner rather than later so appreciate you and like i said best of luck with everything on the road to recovery and uh on the lpga in your career so thank you for taking the time i appreciate it again she's caitlin dambaugh i'm chris filtz we appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the spurs up show
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.